Hi, and welcome to MentorCore. If you're new here, we're a community focused on helping people in the security, risk, and compliance fields grow their careers and leadership skills through mentoring. You can find more information about MentorCore at mentorcore.biz. I'm Dan Ayala, along with Lisa Beth Lentini Walker. Now, on to this week's discussion. Thanks for joining us on another MentorCore podcast. I am thrilled to let you know that today we have Amy Barnard Vaughn with us, and I am so excited. Amy is a luminary when it comes to talking about all things compliance, promotability, and she just brings everything together. She does a ton of coaching, and she is a, an absolutely amazing author, leader. Um, you know, she, she's one of the people that I go to when I am trying to deal with difficult challenges and also when I'm looking for some great advice around how to navigate careers. Um, I don't want to take away all of the thunder, um, but Amy, I'm glad to have you here. Tell us a little bit about how you got to do what you're doing right now and what some of those critical decision points were in your career. Sure. Thank you. And thanks so much to you and Dan for inviting me on the show. Um, it's wonderful that you do this. I started as an attorney, as an employment lawyer, and I did some civil justice work with the ACLU as a fellow. Um, and that's a thread I'll mention because it goes through my work and ultimately I believe is part of the reason I wound up in ethics. I lobbied through the Americans with Disabilities Act when I was at Georgetown Law and it was one of the best jobs in my life and one of the places I got one of my first mentors, which we can also talk about if that's helpful. And then I realized I had really big student loans and that going into public interest was probably not going to pay them off unfortunately. And so I um, did what a lot of people do, which is I thought, well, if I'm ever going to do it, I'm going to work for a law firm now. And I did. And I did employment litigation for about three and a half years. And then uh, that was not a good values fit for me in terms of the financial model um, and just hourly billing. And and what I did love, though, which was a great discovery, and this is why I would tell anyone to experiment, and I've pivoted several times in my career um, and taken sabbaticals and done all kinds of, of things that I highly recommend. Um, I learned from that experience, um, not only that I didn't want to be a litigator, but it taught me great on-my-feet public speaking skills, which have helped me to this day. It helped me... Um, know that I loved advice and counsel and that I wanted to be in front of the problem. I wanted to not be stuck with the facts because when you're an attorney, you have to defend your client or sue somebody and you can, you know, be the best lawyer you can be. I'll leave it at that. But you are ultimately um, stuck with the facts. And I wanted to be on the front end because I saw so many employment situations where if people had just been a little bit more respectful when they terminated someone or if they had given a better given an honest reason for what had happened and what had been leading up to it or if they had done a better process um it wouldn't have happened and i think litigation is a huge waste of money and so i um, took a big leap and people thought i was nuts but i went into human resources for 11 years 
um, a big pay cut. I didn't have a mortgage or kids at the time, so that was a good time to do it. And I learned a ton, cut my teeth on being an HR business partner for the general counsel's office at an insurance company of Allianz, and then worked my way up um, into corporate, um, was the head of workplace practices and policies and did everything from you know, creating a, a website with policies and a new handbook, and then wound up working on benefit plans and compensation and and investing up an investigation system and and then was asked to move over back over to the legal department, which was really fascinating because I thought I'd left the law behind forever and I'd kind of come to peace with it. Um, and here I was with this new challenge of creating the first ethics and compliance program at at Fireman's Fund. And that was really exciting. I was able to carry the employee handbook with me because I had the trust, um, which I which I now realize can't be taken for granted. Um, I didn't know any better, but I people it was it was so great um, to give you an example that people couldn't remember during the last five years that I was there whether I was in late HR or legal, which is great because it was all about building culture, and that's really what I work on now. I really work at the the way I try to describe what I do because it's a complex, to me it may all make sense, but um, it's a kaleidoscope of um, creating healthy workplace cultures, effective leadership and supporting that and corporate governance. And I do that in one of three ways through individual one-on-one -on -one executive coaching with a particular niche towards compliance officers and legal and audit, what I call corporate guardians, people who um, are the first blamed and the last thanked. I find them uh, challenging. I've been in their shoes and I feel that they're critical to the healthy functioning of companies and society. So I have a real dedication there. Um, and then I also work with teams on removing dysfunction from teams. There's been a lot of that this year with um, COVID and people having to hire executives that they've never met and trying to explain culture, <laughs> whether it's going to be remote or whether it's uh, going to be back in the office or some hybrid thereof. Um, and then I also work at a at a global level. I've I've been privileged to work on um, some legislation, um, most recently the women on boards bills in California and Washington, which we had a, a bit of a not surprise setback a couple of weeks ago, but um, that's not why I did it. I think sometimes you do things to shine a spotlight on what the right thing to do is. And yeah. um, once the trains left the station, real progress can't be derailed. So those have been some fun things that I've worked on. And then I write for Harvard Business Review and Fast Company and ACC and Docket and um, SCCE and Compliance Week. And I try to write on topics that my clients are dealing with in terms of what are challenges in these roles how can we get the influence we need to um, get the good work done? I love it. I love it. And, you know, you brought up the topic of writing. I know that you write an awful lot. Um, and one of the things that you've written about recently is promotability. Mm -hmm. And I know that we had talked a little bit before this started about some of the reasons people don't get promotions. And I think that that holds true across industries. Can you tell us a little bit about, you know, what are those derailers? What are the like things that just make promotions elusive for people who, 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 who are seeking them? Sure. And I'll back up to give a little credibility to that. I was, I've been a corporate executive for 20 years before founding my own 
coaching and consulting firm and going back to grad school to be a certified coach. So I have been a chief compliance officer at a Fortune 5 company, built three different compliance and ethics programs, and I've also been a CHRO, um, and I've also been a chief administrative officer running about half the company, including IT and PMO. And so I, I have a pretty broad view of why people get promoted, why they get fired, why they get riffed, who gets supported and invested in and gets into the training programs that are special that put you on the path. Um, and people that just get absolutely stuck and are never, ever going to move from their job. So with that background, um, I would say that the five key challenges that people have across um, disciplines, um, number one, they lack self-awareness. Number two, there's a culture clash. Number three, there's relationship conflicts with key stakeholders. Number four, they they're stuck in their career, and that can be for a variety of reasons. We could we could delve into that if you like. And then the fifth is that they feel overwhelmed and they lack focus on the correct priorities for the business. On the first one around self-awareness, you know, with with MentorCore having the focus on mentoring, one of the things that I've I've found, and I'm curious if you have as well, is that people who lack that kind of self-awareness also lack a support network around them to inform them of that, you know, of those things that they're not aware of. One of which would be, hey, you you, you need to take a look at yourself in, in, in the context of this organization. How can somebody approach somebody in position one that, that needs that kind of you know light shine back on themselves how, how does somebody start that conversation of you know you may be stuck you're stuck and this may be why well there's a prerequisite and the prerequisite is that they're coachable and that they're open to the feedback and that requires a balance of vulnerability and courage because to hear feedback you know we are we are wired actually to reject bad feedback. We love great feedback. You did a great job on that assignment. That's easy, easy to give, easy to receive. You're awesome, right? But it's the, it's the, the important stuff to get better to move ahead. That's actually more difficult to give and to get. So assuming, Dan, that um, in your example, that you've got someone fantastic who is willing to give the feedback um, and is is going to give specific actionable feedback with with examples um, in with the good intent of making the person better. Because I like all of those conditions to be present. Um, the other person, assuming they they are willing to hear that, um, are, are are very fortunate and they should thank the person. And one of um, some people ask me, you know, I can't afford a coach. I don't have a good boss that gives actionable feedback. Um, one of the, my favorite bad saying that a manager can tell you at a performance review is, you're just not ready yet. <laughs> Don't know about period, you guys. Period. But, right? <laughs> and, and, and it's like, and, it's, and you're like, but, but, and, and? <laughs> you know, and so. figure it out. <laughs> So that's partly what led me to create my promotability index assessment, which is free on my website, can give you some really good ideas that you can bring to your boss, maybe trigger a conversation if they're not skilled at this, because not everyone who's a boss is skilled at giving feedback. Sorry, right. doesn't come with the job, you know, and they don't get trained. So that's then also why I wrote the book, because if you still don't have someone, then you it has 30 exercises 
designed towards those. So my favorite um, tip for people who um, aren't getting the feedback that they believe they need to get ahead and that genuinely want it um, is to go to your boss and potentially other key stakeholders and potentially your direct reports. Um, and I'll explain, there's a secondary reason to do that. Um, and ask if I could do one thing to make me more effective in my job, what would that be? And then the key is to be quiet and not say anything and give them space to think and respond. And 99% of the time they will share something with you. Um, it could be something small. It could be something really big. It may depend on how much they trust you, how safe, psychologically safe of an environment you've created. Your timing is important on asking these things, right? Um, and thank them and say, thanks. I'm going to, I'm going to get back to you, you know, on that and then get back to them and tell them what you're going to do about it. If you agree now, you don't have to agree. This is another key point. You may get feedback that you think is unfair, mm -hmm. incorrect, or, or just, you know, poorly judged, but now, you know, the perception and perception is the co-pilot to reality especially in large corporations, right? Oh, yes. And it could be one incident in the elevator and you just happen to say something and you don't know who's in the elevator and they overhear it or someone else in a nine box review, which is what happens when you um, get placed in high potential versus, you know, stuck in your job versus who gets the raise and the high bonuses in HR. Um, you know, someone may make a well-placed comment that either absolutely skyrockets your career because they are a sponsor because that's what makes a sponsor which is someone who's willing to speak up for you and put their reputation on the line for you that's what distinguishes a sponsor from a mentor um versus someone who they don't like you or they don't like your work and they make a well-placed comment and i've seen people's bonuses go from five figures to zero in one comment and it's not fair but it happens and so that's really important. So better to know the perception ahead of time, because then you have the power to change it. If you don't know, it's a blind spot. And if you get enough blind spots over your career, they're little minds, minefields for you that can blow up or stick your career in a certain space. And you may never know why. I've had clients who have had this, who we've you know, gotten unstuck and gotten promoted. And it's one of the most um, rewarding parts of my life. And that's why, in addition to having hired my own coaches, when I was in the C-suite, I think those are some of the reasons why I went to uh, into coaching, because I always wanted to serve. I've served in a variety of ways. And um, this is a way that I can, can do multiple things, like Lisa Beth mentioned, writing, advocating, um, both on a micro level and on a macro level. What does getting stuck look like? You mentioned that you may get stuck, but you may not even know it. How, how, what does it look like? What does it feel like? What are the signs? What are the signs you can think about and look at for yourself? Well, it can be that you feel like you're doing everything you can to move ahead. It can look like you didn't get picked for that project that you were perfect for in your in your assessment. Mm -hmm. um, 
that you're not learning new skills, that you are not taking on greater responsibility. And it can hit, you know, I, I think the, the risky point, and, and there are reasons for this too, that are, um, some of them are unsolvable, but at director level and senior director, look, the, the pyramid gets tiny at the top, right? right. So directors like right here, ish at most companies some people have tons of titles like banks have avp svp evp blah 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 you know some people just have a very simple structure with you know c-suite vp director manager everybody else individual contributor um so you can get you can get stuck i mean at that point you have to i think make a conscious decision of am i happy and not everyone's cut out or wants to be promoted. That's something else we found out in the promotability index. I've had a few thousand people take it now and um, some companies have adopted it as, as their um, leadership development program because there's not a lot on that. There's a lot of backward looking stuff like what you do the last year, how much money you're gonna get, are you gonna get a title change? But there's, I don't know if you've noticed, but on a lot of performance appraisals, the development is about that big and it's on the last page. Yep. And you're expected to, and I know this from being in HR and having to push out some of these things. So I wanted to help get that better, but how do you get that better? Because there's not a lot of tools and employees do have to take the lead. I mean, that, that's one message I would have is don't count on your company to do this for you. Managers are just as busy as you are probably busier um, and, and C-suite, right? Even more so. So you have to show the initiative. You have to make it easy for someone to help you. And you do that by having an accurate self-perception of where you need to improve, bringing ideas forward, asking the right questions, um, and showing chutzpah and hard work and, and knowing the company strategy and where you fit into that and how you add value, knowing what your special sauce is. I think that might be the first chutzpah reference that we've had on Mentor Core yet, but I love it. <laughs> Odds were completely stacked against it going this really? long too. Okay. <laughs> right. um, but I think it's, you know, whether you call it chutzpah, moxie, grit, whatever, like gumption, um, there is something to be said for that. Um, in, you don't want to be annoying. Like, okay, there's the right way to get the noticed and there's, the, and there's the wrong way to get noticed. I will say that. Um, and somewhere, you know, in the middle is a great spot to be. I love it. I love it. Um, so Amy, let me ask you a question about um, what you are seeing right now that you are most excited about in the professions that you work with. Well, I'm, I believe, and I just wrote a piece on project management, which you wouldn't think would tie to the answer to your question, but um, project management um, a, a good colleague of mine, Antonio Nieto Rodriguez, uh, based out in Spain, is he just wrote the book for Harvard Business Review on project management. And project management, like compliance, has been taken for granted a lot and not always taken seriously as a profession. And he, that's his, his um, passion. And so we had a really great conversation around it. And, I, and I, um, there's an article coming out in Compliance Week. I think the digital is out right now for compliance officers. And um, he said, you know, the critical thing that he found with project management, which I think directly applies to compliance, is framing the situation that you're working on, the project that you need funding, headcount for, whatever it is, 
to frame it in terms of the benefits to be gained as opposed to just the costs. Not, a, I think some of us are very good at this and, and know this, but some, um, it, it, it could be an advantage. Um, because if you're saying, oh, we're just complying with this regulation, we need, we need to do this. It's just, you know, they, they issued this thing. Um, as opposed to this will um, give our customers confidence that they are not buying products created with slave labor mm -hmm. or whatever it is, right? So think of like the, the end goal and what, what is it really achieving for the client, for the company, for the board? It's, it's not always easy to prove a negative. I know that with, with compliance, you know, all of the KPIs we try to put together um, and those can be challenging, but when you've, when you've got a win, you know, really tout that. And um, of course, when there are companies in the news that haven't done the right thing and you're working on it, put that right in front of the, the CEO or the general counsel or whomever are your key stakeholders that you can get time with because you can say, this is what, we're, this is what we're doing. This is what we don't want to have happen. This is exactly why, you know, we're doing this. So that's one thing that I think is exciting to me is that I think that I'm seeing companies and Antonio is seeing this as well. He specifically said that in his projects, he is seeing compliance and lawyers brought in in the beginning of the project, which is what we've always wanted, right? It's so much easier to slipstream and design a process from scratch that incorporates what we know the regulatory and legal needs are than to try to back into it later when you've got code written and you've got, you know, whatever it is and you've already, you've already communicated it. So that was exciting to me that he's seeing a, a different discipline is seeing that that's a great sign to me. It's not just us reporting on ourselves. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm hearing more and more from people. Uh, there's a metric that's gone around for a while, at least in the technology worlds, that it's 20 times more costly to do it yeah. later than awesome. to do it earlier. Awesome. Um, and I think I've, and I've heard that metric now leaving just the technology discussion. It's also showing up in other non in other parts of the discussion, you know, and, and increasing Fantastic. this whole by design mentality, which I think is wonderful. That's great. I'm I'm really happy to hear it. Yeah. Being included, you know, early is is probably, you know, one of the best compliments we can have, right? Because it shows that we're strategic and that we're critical and that they know that it has to be a part of what we're building. And that's you've made it clear the business value that doing so mm -hmm. brings. And that's that's as much about the people and the culture as it is about the the task at hand. Yeah, I love it. So one of the things that you know that I am passionate about and that we talk about all the time here on MentorCore is what you are doing uh, from a well-being perspective. How are you keeping wellness at the center of um, your um, life, of how you interact with others? What do you have to say about that? Well, as a solopreneur, <laughs> you know uh, with kids lisa beth and always having been a working mom and you and i've chatted about that a lot um it is a challenge and there's never a there's never a balance it's always a trade-off so that's the first thing i would say um it's it's a nice concept that there's balance but yeah no so <laughs> um you know i've missed birthdays when i was traveling 40 percent 
of the time for McKesson, you know, but I'll tell you, that's why when I got the program to where I wanted it to be, which was four and a half years in um, for a $90 billion company, I took a planned sabbatical. Um, so I think what um, healthy work life looks like is different for everyone. For me, it's meant being very conscious and being aware of when I'm making more trade-offs than I would like. And I can't always immediately pivot. I mean, I have client obligations, an exciting project that intellectually I want to do, but I also know it could burn me out. So I think that that self-awareness that we've been talking about a bit is really important to know and to not be afraid to take those, those leaps. I mean, you've heard of one already. It took me a year to get an HR job from being a lawyer. No one took me seriously. They're like, Georgetown Law degree, you want to be an HR? Yeah, right. You're going to get sick of this and go back to law. And I was like, no, no, really, really. I mean, I can't tell. It was, it's funny. There's, there's some very funny stories I could share. Um, and then McKesson was another um, intentional sabbatical. And then moving from the C-suite to becoming an independent consultant and a founder and CEO of my own business was another sabbatical, you know, transition. Right now, specifically, I'm, I've um, cut back on some of my work for the summer. My daughter's home from college for the first time as a sophomore since they never opened freshman year. Right. Um, and we were all home. Uh, so she did freshman year from the kitchen table. So, you know, it was, um, it's just a matter of, I think and it's my father's 90th birthday. I'd say to people, what keeps, what keeps me in perspective sometimes when I, when I get really well, I'm a very curious person and creative and I love to create stuff so I can um, really load up and I've no one to blame but myself anymore. <laughs> right, the buck to... stops with you and the buck is stopping yeah. by running, like, oh. running you over. You can't be like, oh, my, <laughs> my boss. It's like, oh yeah, that's me. So, um, so, so it's, um, you know, I, I'd say, you know, you're, you're even my job, which I love, but your job doesn't love you back no matter what your job is. And so, um, you kind of, I think need to keep that in mind that you have to keep the long game in mind and make your decisions accordingly. Mm -hmm. That's Makes great sense. advice. Well, Amy, unfortunately, we're getting close to the end of our time already, and uh, it's gone so fast. Uh, but we always close by asking our guests about the best advice they've ever received from a mentor. So what is your the best advice? One I will tell you, which is gender specific that I got just a couple of years ago from one of my very first mentors, a general counsel who's been on several boards and is wonderful. Um, for women, she said, be where you want to be when you're in your mid-50s because she didn't expect that it would be so hard in her 60s and she's brilliant and incredibly qualified to pivot to another job and so out of that she created her own firm but she would have liked one more go round at a big job and so um you know not a fun thing to think about but i i would say i hope that changes as we live longer I think unfortunate this, advice, but I, yeah, I guess it is a good advice. It's the one that came to mind, Dan. So <laughs> yeah, no, it's an un unfortunate that it's a truth, but um, yeah, it no, was, really and I've, it was, yeah, it was sobering. It was very, it was, it was sobering. And um, I will say that I have seen it with some of my female clients 
as well when they have not been intentional about planning their careers and they have either assumed the company would take care of them or that they were so valuable they could never be replaced which is never true by the way and um that you know they've stayed because they were comfortable i think complacency is probably the number one risk to any career yeah that's I great advice don't disagree actually. at all that's great advice well, well amy thank you so much for joining us it's been delightful learning oh, more thank you hearing, for having me yeah so hearing about everything that you've been doing um getting some great advice um there will be links in the show notes to some of the topics that we've talked about today and just thank you for sharing um you with us absolutely thank you so much for inviting me and thanks to you the listener thanks for being here uh we'd love your feedback please feel free to email us info at mentorcore.biz or you can find our website at mentorcore.biz we'll look forward to seeing you again on the next mentor core